This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Listeners and welcome to episode number five of Let's Get Real on Film Geek Radio. This is the show where I talk with filmmakers, producers, actors, writers, and other people in the industry about their work. My guest this episode is Michael J. Gallagher, the co-writer and director of the new horror film Smiley, which opens in select AMC theaters this Friday and will be available on demand soon afterwards. Smiley is being marketed as a typical teenage slasher film, but it's actually attempting to be more than that. The film follows a college freshman named Ashley, who winds up in the middle of an urban legend about a serial killer named Smiley. In a reversal of the popular Bloody Mary myth, the story goes that if you chat with someone online and type, I did it for the lols, three times, That person will be killed by a mysterious figure with a huge smile carved into his face and his eyes stitched shut. Over the course of the film's 90-minute runtime, it explores ideas related to human nature, online anonymity, and networked consciousness. This is the first feature film from director Michael Gallagher. For the past four to five years, he's worked as the director and creator of the YouTube sketch comedy web series Totally Sketch, which is one of the most popular YouTube channels of all time with millions of subscribers. Many of the actors in Smiley are friends of Gallagher's and popular YouTube celebrities themselves, including Shane Dawson, Caitlin Gerard, and Nikki Limo. So clearly, Gallagher is no stranger to the world of online communities and social media. Now, I've seen the film, and while it's not perfect, I definitely think there's a lot more to like here than there is to dislike. This is a slasher film that's actually trying to be about something more than just people getting chopped up. And I was interested in speaking with the director about the process of making the film and the inspiration behind some of its darker and more cynical themes. So without further ado, let's get real with Michael Gallagher. We're talking about Smiley, right? Well, I've been researching it, and I haven't even had time to get to this part yet, but I saw... Smiley's real. What? How do you know? I killed someone. Are you serious? Oh, that's amazing. I mean, that's terrible, obviously, but I tried to do it, nothing happened. Do you want them to die? No. I mean, I wanted to be right, but I didn't want to kill anybody. You have to really want it. You have to really want them to die. But then he comes after you. He tried to kill me. What did it feel like? What do you mean? It was horrible. Wow. Do you know what this means? I thought I was crazy, but but if this is true, if you're not lying, then that means something's been awakened. Like something's been born. Like Smiley could be the next generation. Are you not listening to me? Smiley's trying to kill me. Michael Gallagher, thank you very much for joining me today on Let's Get Real. Great speaking with you. Now, you've been interested in filmmaking for a while, ever since you were a child, and you've directed a lot of short films and comedy sketches, particularly on YouTube. When did you know, now is the time? You know, I, I don't just want to do feature films. I have the experience and the skills necessary to pull it off. Great question. I always felt that I had the skills necessary to pull it off, but it wasn't until... 
recently that all the stars aligned on, you know, uh, I think in that kind of crazy childhood ambition uh, stage, I always felt, you know, throughout high school, it would be so great to make a feature film. And then, you know, as I left high school, going to a little bit of college and then working in the real world, it was saying, you know, I'll be so great to make a feature film. I'm ready. I'm ready. I kept telling myself I was ready even when I wasn't. You know, I was really reminiscing about it recently. And, uh, you know, I've done a crazy amount of short films at this point. You know, I haven't actually counted but if I had to guess from totally sketch my, my sketch comedy channel to all the stuff I've done before leading up, I'd say I've done several hundred short films. And so that was really the preparation that I needed to really make a film because essentially a feature film is, you know, a hundred or so scenes, uh, short scenes. And it's all just putting together and making sure that, that all those scenes strung together can tell a narrative and tell the story. And so luckily I had you know, the experience of doing these shorts, you know, week after week, you know, filming kind of what I like to call high quality sketch comedy. I think that that experience and doing that on a shoestring budget for, for quite some time really was just, that was like the perfect film school for uh, going in and making, you know, a low budget feature film. It hit me almost in retrospect that I was actually ready to do it when I did it. <laughs> I, you know, because I think I, if I had the chance at any time from 14 to, you know, 23, I would take that opportunity, but I'm glad it happened when it happened and not sooner. Well, you've said in other interviews that even though people might know you mainly from sketch comedy, you chose to do a horror film primarily for budgetary reasons because it would be cheaper. Is that really true? I mean, as you mentioned, you, you sort of approached the film as just a series of, of, of sketches, and you looked at it on a scene-by-scene -scene basis. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks, well, if you can do a five-minute comedy sketch for pretty cheap, why not a 90-minute comedy? Well, that's true, too. Um, you know, I think the reason I chose this genre is, I mean, I think there's a number of reasons. You know, I, I think I didn't do a comedy first. Uh, because I've been doing comedy so specifically and so so regularly for several years that I almost felt that, not that it would be too easy to do a comedy, because that's not true at all, but that, I don't know, I, I felt like if I just did a comedy, it would almost pigeonhole me and say, oh, that's the guy who can do that one kind of zany comedy. Great. And then, <laughs> you know, I with the film, I wanted to really show that I can, you know, I can do more than just what I've been doing for four years. And so I, it almost, in a way, was sort of a vacation. <laughs> I sort of built myself a vacation from doing the sketches and doing this sort of, you know, fairly serious uh, uh, horror film. And so it was fun because it was so different than everything I'd been working on for so many years that it was, you know, I don't, I'm, the kind of, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't really take vacations, you know. I'm kind of a workaholic. And so I, I can't sit still for more than, like, two days without working on something. So the fact that I just have to do a different genre and, and kind of use a different part of my brain to really focus on this and really solely work on this film, I, that, I mean, that was huge to me. So it was, you know, I, there's a number of reasons I think that I ended up doing, not just budgetary, but, you know, it is true that a lot of horror films, in specifically speaking, are lower, it costs less to produce. Because, like, you know, I have some comedy ideas, but some of them involve, you know, hundreds of extras and the FBI getting involved and helicopter shots, the Grand Canyon, you know, and you can, you know, with comedies, you almost want them to be a little bigger, where a horror film can be contained to a college or, um, you know, an area that, you know, one, you know, saw was pretty much in one location in this kind of uh, uh, bathroom cellar 
horror films are, are sort of built for tighter, more condensed spaces, and uh, you know, I think ultimately there, because of that, they can be done for a lower budget. Well, you, as you mentioned, the film is very dark, and it does touch on some pretty important and kind of terrifying issues. You know, in your sketch comedy, you come across as this very happy, flamboyant, goofy kind of guy. Was it difficult to return to sketch comedy and, and to get back into that mindset after working on this film? You know, maybe a little bit. I think if you look at the sketches I did before making Smiley and then look at the ones that I've made subsequent uh, to making it, uh, which, you know, we shot the film last summer, I think you'll notice that they do change. I mean, I think, uh, number one, the sketches immediately following uh, making the film, I think, are a little uh, smaller in size and scope. I think I was <laughs> trying to take it easy for a second there. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think working on the film maybe affected me in, in certain ways. I'm not even, I'm not even fully aware of. But you know, I think a guy's a guy. I think you know, I still have the same sense of humor. I still laugh at the same inappropriate and silly, childish things. So it's not like it made me more mature. If that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... Well, you know, I find it very interesting that you and several of the actors in the film, you, you've all made names for yourselves through the Internet and how the Internet has democratized the distribution model for filmmaking in, in, in so many ways. But your film takes a very pessimistic view of the Internet, and it's very much about how the Internet can be used as a weapon that brings out the worst in, in people. So is this basically just a 90-minute F you to your YouTube commenters? Like, you're all horrible people. <laughs> That's so great you picked up on that. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, there's a couple of sides to that. You know, I think the Internet is an amazing place. You know, obviously, it gave me the career that I've had thus far. And, uh, you know, it, like you said, democratized in distribution and uh, allowed me to make the content that I wanted to make, not have to answer to anyone, and uh, let the people decide whether or not uh, if it was good or if I should keep doing this. Um, because at the end of the day, that's, that's what keeps me in business, because people tune in and that they want to watch and that they're, they like what they see. So, you know, I have to give props to that and, and thank technology for that purpose. But getting into making content, you know, there's a lot of really it's kind of sick people out there and there's a lot of evil on the internet and a lot of uh, negativity that people put out there. I mean, you know, as much as it can be a, a place to harness creativity and, uh, you know, and comedy and things and light things, uh, it's a, an area that I think people can harness their negativity, their evil, their, their worst fears, you know, and they can hide behind the you know, anonymity of a screen name and uh, say, keep your darkest, most secret, horrible things that they could ever say to you. I've, you know, experienced that making content online. I've had, I can't even tell you how many horrible things have been said to me over the past four years just anonymously on the internet where people think it's okay to, to say how, how silly I look or how I'm an idiot or how I should stop or how I should die or, you know, a number of different things. And so I've been just constantly getting that for years. And so I've, you know, had to create a thick skin for that. But, uh, the movie, in a way, addresses some of that negativity. But, uh, you know, in the movie, you, you kind of have two sides. You have Ashley, who is sort of the naive, the light side, who, you know, is kind of taking everything, you know, she takes it very seriously, but she, you know, is sort of good. She represents the good. And then you have all these other characters that are so cynical and so kind of hardened by the Internet 
and, you know, have gone on 4chan, gone on these different dark, you know, reaches of the Internet, and have sort of been, you know, uh, they've lost their innocence in a way, and actually have their innocence. So you're sort of playing with those two ideas that I find on the Internet, you know. I see the good, and then I also see the dark, the cynical. But I don't know if the film is overly a slap at, you know, the negative, but I think it's, it's there, and I think it would be, be weird not to address it, especially in a horror film. Well, you, you brought up 4chan. Uh, your movie does mention 4chan, in it, and it also brings up uh, Anonymous. And I think a lot of people have this very idealized view of groups like Anonymous. I mean, I mean it certainly promotes itself as a collective of individuals who, who protest things like Scientology and who also stand up for Internet freedom and are very anti-censorship. But y- your film presents them as this very uh, nihilistic and dangerous group, and you've gotten some threatening messages as a result. Right. And, you know, I think uh, you have to be careful uh, when you talk about things that people are, you know, that hold true and hold dear, you know, and Anonymous and 4chan are, are two different, you know, well, they're very similar uh, because, you know, Anonymous was so birthed from depths of 4chan. Right. A, a group like 4chan, they don't like to be discussed in the mainstream. And so just the simple fact that we talk about them in the movie and uh, address them. And I, you know, I don't think we say anything overly negative about them in the movie either, but just the fact of us mentioning them has sort of enraged them in a way. And uh, they, they sort of see themselves as fight club where rules one and two, we don't talk about 4chan, but you know, I think when CNN is covering it, when news outlets are going out of their way to, to do stories on anonymous because, Hey, they're in the news every other day. They're taking down major websites. They took down GoDaddy, I think, like less than a month ago. And they just continue to, to do things for fun or, or for the lulls, as we say in the movie. You know, how can you not address this stuff? I mean, is this happening every day around us? And so the fact that we talk about it in a fictional film where they're still talking about, about it in the news, I, you know, I, I think we're, we're fair game. So it's just, you know, there's a little bit of collateral damage that, that has to happen. And unfortunately, I you know, have to hold up the shield and, and fight that fight. But uh, ultimately, it's, we should be able to talk about these subject matters and address them and you know, have a serious conversation about it. Well, um, in the movie, uh, Roger Bart plays a professor who, who theorizes that the Internet could eventually evolve and become this new type of conscious organism. Did you and, and your co-writer, uh, Glasgow Phillips, come up with that idea yourselves? What exactly was the inspiration for that? Because it, it's certainly a very interesting idea. Well, yeah, let me give credit where credit is due. Glasgow Phillips is a brilliant writer, and uh, you know, I was lucky that he came to me with the, with the script and, and wanting to, to work on this together. Um, he, it, this is all his original idea that, that started with, with him from the inception from, you know, a lot of the, the kernel of these ideas, they all kind of were birthed from Glasgow and his fascination with the internet. And I was just fortunate enough to be able to work with him and, and write scenes and, and add in and, and kind of put my 23-year-old take on it. The professor character, to me, is Glasgow. Um, that's kind of him in a nutshell. Like, his, he has a very interesting kind of cynical, at times, look at the world and the internet. You know, he's obviously not as He's not creepy <laughs> like the professor is in the film, but he, you know, is uh, those ideas about the internet becoming conscious, and uh, you know, and some of those bigger ideas, you know, Glasgow uh, is interested in, and you know, not that he believes in it, but those concepts are. I think we've seen in other films. I think even you know, Smiley addresses it. You know, talks about the Matrix and uh, talks about 
you know, Skynet in uh, the Terminator films, this idea of our technology advancing and either growing consciousness or evolving in such a way that it, you know, kind of has its own artificial intelligence and then, you know, can come back at us. And it's not necessarily a new idea, but uh, the idea of like the evil that we put uh, out on the internet and the negativity and that manifesting and becoming, you know, its own entity. I think that that's sort of a, a new concept. When I, when I read some of the kernels of that idea in the initial draft, I knew that this was something special because it, would, it had put into words something that I had felt in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know how to express it. And, you know, it's a fun horror movie, so we get to play with it in the form of this, you know, really creepy killer named Smiley. So it's, it's a way to address some of these bigger issues with the shell of sort of a fun, you know, creepy, you know, uh, teen kind of slasher film. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, your distribution model for Smiley. I know it's receiving a limited theatrical release in certain AMC theaters, but you're also releasing the film through video-on-demand services and also through streaming services online. So it's a movie about the Internet being marketed at and through the Internet. What exactly are you hoping to achieve through this distribution model? Well, let me backtrack just a little bit here, actually, because the the film's release has had an interesting life of its own, I should say. And actually, the, the right now, the form, the only format that's going to be coming out is we sort of an exclusive deal with AMC. So it's actually not going to be streamed immediately. It's not going to be coming out on other platforms until after the theatrical run. So basically, we had planned to do a completely independent self-release uh, that we were going to harness an online streaming platform and we were going to harness like a, a service like a tug where people could demand the film in different areas. And we, we got pretty far down the, the, the path with both of those options. But then uh, we had an opportunity to screen the film for AMC. They saw the film and loved it and uh, said, hey, guys, we want to put this into theaters. You know, we believe in the film. We believe in the social media following and in the trailer having, you know, 15 million views and, and you know, the, the awareness on the title. You know, we think that this can go out to, to the mainstream. So they gave us that opportunity, and uh, we were able, my company, Theater Productions, we were able to partner directly with AMC to release the film. So we didn't go through with a major studio. We were able to go right to the exhibitor and do a theatrical deal, which, you know, it's very exciting for an independent because that was a big issue that I had. I mean, we went around, we talked to a lot of the major studios, a lot of the, the, you know, major distribution companies, and, uh, you know, a lot of people had a lot of interest in the movie, but at the end of the day, the, the economics didn't make sense. And we, they couldn't guarantee us where the movie was coming out. I mean, it was so dicey. And we had worked so hard on this movie, and we really wanted to not only see it be successful and see it get out to, the, to our audience, but also um, done in a way where it's not, you know, someone's coming in at the 12th hour or midnight hour and just and robbing you and just taking the movie and saying, see you later, folks, <laughs> walking out the door. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I don't want to demonize some of those companies, but... You know, the distribution game, it's not in the, in the favor of a filmmaker right now, currently, unless you do it yourself. It's, it's in the favor of the, the buyers. But luckily, AMC's been an amazing partner, and, uh, and they are a true partner in the sense that, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to take everything. They didn't want the, you know, the kitchen sink. They, they wanted to straight up partner with us, and they believed in, in what we could do with our marketing and uh, getting the word out and getting people to show up, and then uh, and they would do their part in making sure that it's in theaters. So... So that's currently distribution, and you know, and it's, indif- and it's still independent because we haven't, you know, quote unquote, sold out or 
they just given the film to a Fox Searchlight or something. But we've done every leg of this release from, you know, finishing the movie to uh, marketing it and, you know, across the country. So uh, it's been exciting. It's a, you know, it's a different journey than I thought we were going to take, but uh, it's been very rewarding. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, one, one last question before I let you go. Why did you name your serial killer Smiley? Why not Frowny or Winky? <laughs> hey, I'm discount those names. They might be in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, Smiley is, um, you know, I think the Smiley emoticon is pretty popular on the internet and someone needed to make you afraid of it. So now is the time. So be careful putting those smiley faces at the end of those text messages. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael Gallagher, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I wish you the best of luck with the film. Oh, thank you. Have a good one. That was my interview with Michael Gallagher about his film, Smiley. Thanks again to Michael for coming on the show. If you're interested in seeing Smiley, it's being released in select AMC theaters this Friday, October 12th. It will be released through video on-demand services and possibly online streaming services as well shortly after that. As always, you can contact the show by emailing Let's Get Real at filmgeekradio.com. You can also comment on the website at www.filmgeekradio.com and go there to find show notes for each episode. Don't forget, if you like the show, to subscribe through iTunes and be sure to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, and our new show all about the ABC series Last Resort, Dispatches from St. Marina. I am Andrew Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time on Let's Get Real. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!